Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, I'm John Marker. Hello, I'm Rachel Downey. And welcome to the Driven Chat Podcast. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at DrivenChat.com. Hello, and welcome to this week's Driven Chat Podcast, where this week, because it's a bank holiday... I mean, I'm being a bit lazy by saying this. Because it's a bank holiday, we're giving ourselves an easier day. Of course, we're not recording this on the bank holiday. You're just hearing it on the bank holiday. Uh, but what this episode is, it's, as you've seen from the title, it's called Car Telly because we've got two car TV shows to tell you about. Now, both of these segments, the interviews part of this podcast, uh, were recorded for our radio show. And we don't make a habit of doing this. We tend to keep our podcast content, podcast content, and our radio show content, radio show content. However, I thought that both of the chats you were about to hear are actually quite relevant to our podcast audience as well. And that's why we're throwing it at you. So in this episode, you're going to hear a conversation that I had with my esteemed colleague, Rachel Downey, who's currently sat opposite me wearing a diamond encrusted necklace I, I guess that's about a million pounds worth of jewelry isn't it? <laughs> i would love to say yes i really would but thanks for noticing my jewelry it's it's pretty it's blingy good. yeah it is isn't it you can't really miss it is it are they real diamonds no but it is can you see the what make it is uh coconut chanel yes 100 percent coconut chanel wow <laughs> i confess i don't know a lot about jewelry i should know more but I, yeah, uh, I don't. So you could tell me that's worth a million pounds, I believe you. I should have done, shouldn't I? Yeah, yeah it's a yeah. million trillion dollars. Sat opposite me now in the studio is Rachel Downey wearing a million trillion dollars worth of diamonds. So yeah, Rach and I, we 
had a chat with Ginny Buckley, who mm. is a lovely human, isn't she? Really lovely, really warm, really open, um, really passionate, absolutely loves what she does, yeah. which when sometimes when you kind of interview other kind of presenters, journalists, you kind of feel like they're just saying what you they think they need to say. But yeah, yeah she's very passionate about electric uh, vehicles and um, yeah, loves her job. Did you know, by the way, she's appeared in an episode of The Bill back in the day. I didn't know that. I, I know. That. I think that's so cool. Did you appear in an episode of The Bill? No, but I haven't been in an episode of Casualty before. Have you? Yes. Doing I what? Have. What were you? Um, I was just a patient. I think I was like 15. Like, so it was a long time no ago. Way. Yeah, I've done because I used to like be a little stage school kid. So I've done like commercials and Aww. yeah, Casualty. I want to say Holby City as well, but I can't One remember. day, I'll can make... we make a compilation video <gasps> of all the things you've been yes. in? Either as like a extra or a... I mean, you were a Lynx... Um, a Lynx I was. Girl. Was Lynx right? effect girl, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was in a Lynx commercial for those back in the are, day. For those that are old enough to remember <laughs> when television advertisers were allowed to sexualise yes. uh, women in a terrible way, um, you used to I be one I was at the front those... of the pack. <laughs> <laughs> And how times have changed for the better. Oh, for the morals say. I was back in the day. Wow. So, yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, off on a bit of a tangent there. So, yes, uh, Ginny Buckley, we're going to include a interview that we did with her mm. for our radio show. If you are a radio show listener, you're going to hear content in this interview that you didn't hear on the radio show. But we've also carried on talking to Ginny and we are going to be booking in a full podcast conversation with her where we're going to go and sit in her kitchen and talk nonsense for an hour and a half because we loved her so much yeah. so you've got that to look forward to as well Can't also wait. in this episode is an interview that I conducted with Alex Riley who I hadn't spoken to until the interview point and I've been wanting to talk to Alex Riley for ages and ages and ages because he's one of these crucial people that's been a bit of a key character to the world of automotive media think PBC Top Gear think just general car trivia he has been in and amongst it for years and years and years and thinks in the same sort of geeky nerdy way that I do so mm. I had a chat with Alex which has also gone on to our radio show however that chat was about half an hour uh only 11 minutes of that made it onto the radio show so you'll be hearing some content here that you didn't hear on those but I also agreed with Alex towards the end of our chat that we'd also sit down with him for a good long extended chat Rachel I'll leave it up to you if you want to be part of that one or not it's going to be so nerdy do you know what? I'm used to it. I can embrace it. Okay. We'll, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but before we dive into those conversations, um, thank you very much for the feedback a good few weeks ago now. Three mm. weeks ago, I'm trying to think because of the way that our production schedule works. We had our listeners' letters episode. Myself and Amy Shaw sat down and ran through some questions and letters and things. Thank you so much for all the lovely feedback about having Amy back on the podcast. Just to reiterate... Yes, we are an ever-evolving team, and it was lovely to have you there. For those of you that submitted letters that weren't read out in the episode, fear not, we will get to them. A lot of them actually came in after we'd actually already recorded our episode. Again, I'm kind of breaking the fourth wall of illusion of recording time versus publishing time. But if you have sent us an email with a funny story, so if your name, for example, is Simon, Jack, Liam, we will get to your stories i promise probably going to be an episode in september 
where we attack those uh, listeners' letters. I have had a quick read through some of the stories and the posts and the messages that we've received, and they are brilliant, and I look forward to bringing them to you. So, yes, thank you very much for those. Uh, More of that on the way. Rachel Downey, before we dive into our interviews... (laughs) Uh, I thought we'd do a bit of a catch-up, just you and I. Mm, that's nice. Yeah. Cute. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. I thought so. Um, you recently went away to one of my favourite countries in the entire world, Norway, mm-hmm. and you were doing some work with World Rallycross. Yeah, that's right. Tell me more. Yeah, so I am the FIA's World Rallycross's um, official international announcer. Um, basically, I'm now going to go to all their races mm-hmm. um, and take part in presenting, announcing, um, take part in their social media feed. I love rally. Yeah. Like for me, I my background is being a pit lane reporter. Um, so I'm very used to going to races, being there, um, interviewing the drivers, uh, going away with the teams. And it's just so nice to be back. Um, my last time I went away, I think was just before lockdown many moons ago. Um and just every part of the weekend was amazing. So, yeah, we went to a place called Hell. In... Oh, I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah, I've frequented it often. Um, and it was beautiful. The countryside was beautiful. Uh, the people there were lovely and amazing. And the um, World Rallycross was also launching this weekend the very first electric World RX Um cars basically series first time they've ever done it it's mm. taken years for them to be able to get to this point nice um and they went fully so electric fast. or hybrid fully electric wow. it's and it's you've really felt that new era of electric racing Cause it's, mm. it's going to happen anyway and it's got yep. to happen yep. um and i think coming into the weekend a lot of people are like oh no you know you can't change rally cars that's not what it's about it's mm. all about the noise the smell and don't get me wrong it is mm. but the speeds they went up yeah. to and the racing was just fantastic and you know you got probably some of the best rally drivers in the world taking part in the series so you've got the Hansen brothers Timmy and Kevin Hansen uh Johan Christofferson who raced I mean Johan won the first race um it was just yeah it was just an amazing weekend and for me just to be back kind of in the hub of it all and like I say the just all of it the the noise the smell being around the teams being around just everyone involved in a race weekend I loved I'm a happy girl yeah, sounds awesome. I was following. I saw your stories. It Thanks. was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it was. I love a bit of Rallycross as well. I just love that that bizarre mix of tarmac with mm. gravel, with woodland, with... Yeah, yes. It's good. It's exciting to watch. Yes. And I have to say, whoever is responsible, I don't know if you know their social media team, but whoever is responsible for clipping together their little social media clips, I've seen some Instagram reels and some yeah. Facebook shorts. They're brilliant. They're so good. He's so and good. It makes you want to be, it just makes you think, I need to watch this, I need to consume this more. Yes, 100%. And everything you say, like, first of all, when you go to these um, rally circuits, they are in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and they are uh, amongst the, like, woodland areas yeah, yeah. or, it, which really creates this, this atmosphere. Um, mm. And the racing is, it's just brilliant. Um, and, the way you know you can see obviously i love it when the cars do the the jumps yeah, yeah, yeah. um and i love it that they can literally push the other car out of the way that's they, yeah, they can touch yeah. like that's the beauty of it's rally like it's the aggressive. opposite of f1 isn't it where yes. it's like the, people moan because it looks a lot like a procession there's just car after car and it's oh look clean. one overtake yeah 
it's rally not... cross. They're like, get out of the way. Yeah, it's literally the battles you see there are are amazing, and the racing was very incredible. And also, you can see the the passion because we um, you see all the onboards, so you see the drivers obviously just before the lights go go green, and you can really see how badly they want it. Yeah, and the yeah. race is obviously a lot quicker. There's five cars in every single round. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah, it was it was a brilliant weekend. There were loads of people, loads of supporters. Yeah, it looks really packed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not, we said there was a, a driver called uh, Bakarut, and he has a huge following, Andreas Bakarut, and he has a huge following. Though I think there was about at least 100, 200, and they all wear blue T-shirts. And he has his own, like, little theme tune. Nice. And they're all like, oi, oi, oi. And I was like, <laughs> wow, this is what I've missed. I've missed. And they've got all this smoke, you know, like, what, they're flares? Yeah, yeah. That um, they, I don't know, hit off, take off, whatever you call it. Um, it was just brilliant. It Amazing. was just, and they were camping there, and everyone's having, like, barbecues in the evening, and you've got, like, that party atmosphere. That's what rally is all about. Yeah. Um, it's like the 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 kind of fun bit during a twenty four hour race where you have like that little festival. Feel. Yeah, like a concentrated bit of yes. festival. Fun. Yeah, and that's exactly nice. what rally is. So yeah, it was a, it's a brilliant weekend. My next round is in a couple of weeks at Latvia. I'll go to uh, Riga. Never been. I have. It's brilliant. Is it? Yeah. Okay. You're going to all the places that I absolutely <laughs> love. It's almost as if whoever plans the World Rally Cross Championship is just going to really cool party cities because it is. Yeah, it's cool. It's really cool. How excited I got there when you said a party city. I'm like, hello. (laughs) And don't tell anyone, but it's it's actually quite cheap as well. In comparison to going out in London. Yeah. Yeah, you get a, you get a decent round in for not many pounds. Okay, I like that because Norway was a little. Norway bit... is eye-wateringly oh. expensive. Oh, I had a heart attack with some of the prices, but yeah, it was it was a brilliant weekend. The people in Norway were very very lovely. Um, yeah, and I've been to hell the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel's been to hell and back. Oh. <laughs> that could be a good title for the episode. Uh, yes. On the subject of electric, you mentioned those World Rallycross electric cars, which mm. are very exciting. I recently had to give the keys back to an electric <gasps> car, which is making me sad. Oh, how was it? How was it? It was rapid. Really? So for those of you that follow our social media feeds, at Driven Chat, you will have seen that I've recently been rocking around in a BMW i4 M50. It, wow. it looked so sexy. I think that's a... Did you not come out for no, a No, I didn't. Oh. I'm quite quite upset with you. Sorry about that. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, I only had it for a week. Uh, thanks to the lovely, lovely people at Partridge BMW. Mm. Uh, I loved it so much. There is a article currently being written. I'm in the process of finalising. Uh, there is also a video that we are editing. So we did some filming with the car as well. Uh, we did a 0 to 60 test, which, by the way, so BMW say it will go from 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds, which is bonkers. Uh, we actually discovered it's a little bit quicker than that, uh, which is uh, <laughs> alarming. And the way that we tested it was by putting producer Amber in the passenger seat and filming her reaction. Oh my God, that's brilliant. So yeah, you can look forward to seeing that on our YouTube channel in okay, the not good. too distant future. But yeah, wonderful car. Thank you ever so much to Partridge BMW for lending me that. Um, yeah, BMW's kind of fully electric car that actually looks like a car, not a blobby weird SUV, which I've celebrated yeah it looked i just it looked like such a sleek car i was gonna say sexy again but i can't keep using the word sexy when describing a car even though it really was it was very it was beautiful it really was i'm gutted i didn't go in it souls yeah maybe some other time in the future we'll get more i'll take it personally it's fine (laughs) (laughs) whilst on the subject of 
cars. So I have had a couple of messages through on our social media feeds from people saying, I know that you do bits and pieces with Partridge BMW, but do you have a dealership for insert car manufacturer here and the answer is not really so just to kind of break the illusion just Mm. in case people are wondering because yes we do get a lot of our cars from press departments uh aldi for example give us press cars i've got a lovely bentley that's booked in for september i've got two minis coming in september all through press cars but we have had messages from other dealerships for other marks and other brands saying look could we do something similar the answer is yes so if you are responsible for the a dealership, um, you know, insert car brand here, and you would like a bit of exposure with us driving your cars around, by all means, feel free to get in touch. We don't charge you anything for it, and we create some lovely content, and we give content back to you. So exactly like you might have seen, we obviously have a lovely relationship with Partridge BMW. So if you're a BMW dealership, sorry, guys, already covered that one off. But uh, if, for example, you don't know, sell mercedes benzes and you want us to have a go in some of your cars you can by all means get in contact podcast at drivenchat.com we'd love to have a play with your cars uh, but we will also obviously go through the press the press departments as well as we often do anyway uh i think that just about covers off our unnecessarily long intro i liked it did you yeah i did Good. because in typical kind of presenter broadcaster style mm. we get to talk about ourselves we do <laughs> Very self-indulgent, isn't it? Very self-indulgent. I love it, though. Yeah. What I will say before I get started, and we might recap on this right at the very end, in fact, we will recap on this right at the very end, is the two interviews you're going to hear. So firstly, the one with Ginny Buckley, uh, her television show that we are talking about is called Why Is My Car So Expensive? That has already aired on Mm. Channel 4. If you would like to watch it, you can now catch up with it with the uh, Channel 4's catch-up service. I can't remember what it's called. All 4? used to be called 4 On Demand. That, uh, is it Seems not to go still... Through. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. But it's the I Channel 4 catch-up yeah. platform, whatever that well is. Well done, John. You're That's done. what you're going for. Smooth. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to go and watch that, uh, assuming that you're listening to this relatively soon to, uh, when it was published, you can go and see that now. Uh, it is genuinely a fantastic show. I really enjoyed talking to Ginny beforehand and then watching it. It was mm. a great show. Very well put together. If you would like to learn more about the conversation that I have with Alex Riley with his car show called The Car Years, well, that right now, again, if you're listening to this soon after it went out, you can probably still watch that now on ITV4. However, you can also catch up with the current series and previous series is, 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 is on <laughs> ITV Hub. Yeah, well there you done, go. John. Plugged well them. I feel like you need a round of applause just for that effort. There you go. Uh, there you go sorry guys but that fulfills all obligation through mm-hmm. the uh, TV production company and you did it flawless Thank like you. absolutely flawless well <laughs> who, who needs self-indulgence when you've got a Rachel uh, Downey sat opposite you yep thanks babes right that'll do let's get jumped in we're going to start with Ginny Buckley talking to her which of course features myself and Rachel Downey Hi. and then afterwards I'm afraid it's just me and Alex mm. but we'll have a chat and more from that in the future both Ginny and Alex will be appearing for a longer form chat in the future. So stay tuned for those. Uh, I'm sure you will agree both warrant more time. So we'll do that with a bit more of a deep dive on their past, their present and maybe their future. (laughs) Sounds weird, doesn't it? Right. Enjoy the interviews. Uh, We'll say a very quick hello and a goodbye right at the very end for some parish notes. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. We're joined now by Ginny Buckley, who is an esteemed motoring journalist, has a bit of a penchant for electric vehicles, and at the moment, as we speak, 
is finalising a television show that's going to be coming to our TV screens this coming Monday, all about why our new cars and used cars are so expensive. Welcome to the show, Ginny. Hello, you two. I love being called esteemed. I don't think I've ever been called that before. <laughs> That's great. Can I tell my 12-year-old now that I am officially his esteemed mother? Of course yes, you can. Definitely. Yeah, of course you can. Completely. Good. Okay. <laughs> he has to kind of bow down to me when I ask him to do the, the dishes. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're, we're actually still in the process of finalising things on the show. So I am talking to you um, in a car uh, in central London. Um, I'm obviously parked safely at the side of the road. Um, and we're, we're still doing some filming and some shots um today so yeah i've just taken a break from putting the finishing touches to the show which is on uh, channel four on monday at 9 p.m i love that we're kind of getting this sneak glimpse in yeah. to this world because at the moment yeah we're, we're recording this only a few days before that date so i guess there's a lot of people working away behind the scenes and you of course you know collating notes making sure you've got all the right things to say in time for it to go out how close to the wire will it get for that final edit before it then goes out uh, I mean, I'll be recording voiceover over the weekend. Wow. Um, we obviously, with with any dispatches, you know, we're doing a lot of investigation into, as you said, uh, new car prices and also used car prices into to what's driving them up, what's happening. You know, is there any help out there for the for the poor consumer stuck in the middle of all this? And everything is completely, you know, fact checked and has to go through legals. So it can really run right down to the wire. I absolutely love that, though. But um, I know you can't go into too much details. That's, you know, for everyone to go and watch on Monday. But would you say that um, consumers' appetite is growing more for the secondhand car? And would you say there's been a change since lockdown and since the COVID times? Has a, and I hate using this expression, the new normal. But would you say this is perhaps the new normal? Do you know what? I use the expression the new normal in the programme, so you're not alone. I actually asked that question to a couple of senior people. I think, yes, we have definitely seen a huge change in consumer habits that was brought about by the pandemic. Um, And really what happened is we know the pandemic was incredibly challenging for a lot of people and financially very difficult. I think for other people, they did come out of the pandemic with actual disposable income and one of the things that people went out and bought was cars Mm. um you know there'd been all this pent-up demand car dealers had to close you couldn't change your car lots of people's deals were coming to an end and they had to change them so there was there was a lot of activity in the car market and then we also had a a different situation which was people who wanted to start traveling again but didn't feel safe on public transport or didn't want to use it so we saw a big rise in people going into cars for the first time and that was either new cars but also used cars and then there was this bigger knockdown impact that happened during the pandemic was that you know nobody really knew what to do so car makers cancelled a lot of their orders because they had to close down production lines and there's this key part called a semiconductor mm-hmm. which i've only in the last sort of year or so realized just how how crucial this little tiny chip is to keeping the world going round because it's in everything from phones you know to cars to electronic devices that we use in the home um, and basically, there was a real issue with semiconductors. We bought a lot more things like computers and laptops um, during the pandemic. People bought bread makers. They bought a lot more of those, those home things that use semiconductors. And that, coupled with the fact that we saw then this increase in demand for cars, meant that there was a shortage of semiconductors. And if you can't get hold of semiconductors, you can't buy new cars. Mm. 
And then the short answer is if you can't buy new cars, then it sends people into used. So, yeah, it was an extraordinary time, really extraordinary time. It has been fascinating, hasn't it? Because I think like you and like so many others, I too was a bit surprised by this new term of semiconductors. And it's realising how many components in the cars they go to. And I don't know if this is something that you've discovered in making your television show, but I've heard stories of certain car manufacturers phoning up customers that had placed orders either during or just before the pandemic and said, look, We've got a bit of a situation. We can deliver your car. However, if you decide you don't want rear electric windows or you don't want a boot that automatically opens itself, we can actually de- deliver the car a little bit sooner because that means we've suddenly got five or six semiconductors that we don't need to use. Have you come across this in the show? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's fascinating because a modern car uses between 1,500 to 3,000 semiconductors. Wow. So just to put it into context, it would have been a few hundred you know, mm. sort of back in the day. So, and if you look at electric cars, they, they're right at the top end. They use mm. even more. So these are huge numbers of these components. And yeah, one of the ways that manufacturers are trying to get around the waiting list is by saying to people, actually, look, you're not, you might not get the spec that you wanted. Did you really need heated seats, for example? Mm. Or, you know, that massaging function that you ordered? Well, could you do without that? What we're also seeing is that prices of new cars are going up. And some of that is in an actual physical increase in in the cost of the car. And we can definitely see that and we'll be talking about that in the programme. But we're also seeing kind of price increase by stealth, really. So Mm. just specs on cars being reduced, not getting some of the extras that you might have got. And that's partly to save costs, but also to save on some of those precious semiconductors as well. So for for the car industry, they really are the holy grail. But there was a fascinating thing that I discovered while making this show, and I've I've been in the car industry for 25 years, and we think car brands are massive, don't we? You know, Ford, GM, VW Group, they're these massive global companies. Not anymore, they're not. They're at the bottom of the list when it comes to semiconductors. Then then they're not the priority. The priority are all the big tech companies. Oh, that makes sense when you think of it. Yeah. 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 So, you know, you think of all the semiconductors that somebody like Apple or Microsoft uses, car companies use a tiny percentage of, of the of the semiconductors that are built. And, yeah, they want to keep them happy and sell them, but actually they want to service their bigger clients. So it's, it's a real sort of almost a bit of a new order coming through. I found it really interesting. Yeah. And I know um, you do have a love for the electric vehicle. And has there been... Um, a growing demand for electric vehicles again not i'll say since lockdown just because it was such a big part of of the industry for for a few years is the demand for electric growing yeah definitely i mean the the demand for electric is incredible i mean it's one in seven new cars sold today is a plug-in electric car i mean just constantly year on year month on month the electric um the sales sales of electric cars grow and actually we've seen a dip in the market when it comes to the sales of new cars but we still see growth in electric so that that fuel you know that fuel fuel if you like for electric is still there <laughs> so yeah i mean what what we're seeing is this this real kind of perfect storm that's come together with semiconductors that you can't get hold of um and of course the 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 war in the ukraine has had a huge impact as well um things like wiring looms come from there vw group for example get a lot of their wiring looms from the ukraine and all of those 
those points have come together to really see a massive reduction um, in the numbers of new cars being sold, which is why we're seeing these big waiting lists. But when it comes to electric, people are still prepared to wait mm -hmm. and there is still stock out there and the numbers are still increasing. Interesting. Now, Ginny, tell me honestly here, because there is a there is a cynical part of me that thinks that whilst there is this perfect storm, as you say, um, war in Ukraine, of course, pandemic bringing production lines to a standstill, global shortages on things like rubber. Do you think, though, there is an element that means certain car manufacturers, not saying all, but certain are using this as perhaps a bit of an excuse to maybe hike up prices. I know, for example, that certain dealerships, if you want to walk in now and order a car, they might say it could be 12 months, it could be 18 months until we can fulfill your order. And they're still going to be charging 20 to 30% more for a new or used car than they would have done perhaps pre-pandemic. Do you think there is any foul play here? Yeah, absolutely. I think what's happening is there is definitely a fine line between making hay when the sun shines and ripping off the consumer. Mm. And I think what's happened with the new cars and the lack of availability in new cars is that it's put more and more of us into used cars. Mm. So we've seen huge increases in the price of used cars. Uh, I mean, since you know, since pre pre pandemic, the, the numbers have gone crazy. Um, Look, I think what happens is there are some people who are just saying, look, this is supply and demand and we're going to get what we can for our cars. On the other hand, we're seeing things that we think are ridiculous. We look at one car, for example, that's um, an almost new car. It's a dealer demonstrator, 10,000 miles on the clock, and that car is on sale for £25,000 above its list price wow. if it was new. Insane, yeah. right? Yeah. Whether they'll sell it or not, that's another question. Um, and I think, yeah, you have to look. And you know, if you look at the the ten biggest, um, you know, car manufacturers in the world, um, you know, from 2020 to last year, they grew their profits by more than 300 mm. percent. So lots of people, we've seen record, um, you know, record profits at dealer groups. Mm. So lots of people are profiting from this. Yeah. I think the challenge for the manufacturers, though, is that they have to invest in electric. So we've got this hard stop in 2030 in the UK, 2035 in Europe, when we have to stop selling new um, petrol and diesel cars. Mm. Now, yes, they're making profits, but that money is having to go back into research, into just building a gigafactory, costs mm. billions, billions of pounds. You know, this is new technology they're investing in. So I think on the one hand, yes, there is money to be made. I also think we're in this extraordinary period where the whole car industry is undergoing more change than I would say probably since the, the you know, the horse and cart very first gave way to the car. It's yeah. massive change for them. And that's costing billions and billions. Yeah. And very quickly, I um, back up and agree with that, uh, that percentage, say 300%, um, because... I know a very well-known um, motorsport site, uh, motor car site um, for buying and purchasing cars. They had a 70 million cross-platform visit to their marketplace. I mean, that level of engagement, 70 million people basically clicking on, wanting to look at used cars, new cars. It's that's huge. Mm. Like the, the yeah. demand. And you kind of think, how are they ever going to fit or match that demand it's i can i understand and you can see why these prices are sky high the prices are high we are starting to see a slight leveling off in the market so that's something that i think is going to be interesting to watch but yeah it was things like you know car hire companies just selling their fleet during the pandemic mm. um so they didn't have cars and they're now trying to buy cars 
Um, and also they don't have cars that are filtering back into the used market and they sell, you know, hundreds of thousands of cars every year. Then they're trying to get cars which they can't get and that's one of the reasons why for example car hire is set car hire is so expensive right. so we're going to look into things like that tonight so this this whole thing about the cost of used and new cars filters into lots of different areas things like expensive car hire things like increasing car crime which we're seeing mm. you know once mm, you get this, this high demand in the market the criminals come out and we'll be looking at that as well and exposing some of that uh, and just some of the dodgy practices that go on as well. We're really taking a look right across the market and how the consumer's being hard hit. And as always, is the one who's losing out the most. Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. And in your opinion, Ginny, I mean, looking at just thinking outside of the world of cars at the moment, of course, it's not just cars that are increasing in price. Everything seems to be getting so expensive. We've seen new reports this week talking about how we're expected to have a huge hike as UK residents in our energy bills coming this October, but then the likelihood of it increasing again. We're not talking by a few hundred pounds. We're talking by a few thousand pounds come beginning of 2023 next year do you think this is also going to have a knock-on effect to the car market what are your long-term thoughts with regards to this study that you've put in now versus how things might be shaping up for a year from now yeah i think you know we're going to go as we all know into a very challenging time and obviously people rein in their belts and and one of the things that you you do is you rein in your belt on on whether you buy a new car after a home it's the second most expensive anyone makes in their lifetime and if you can keep your older car or you can get away with not changing it people are going to be making those decisions i also think people will be driving less looking at fuel costs and also you know somebody who loves electric it's becoming increasingly expensive to run an electric car particularly yeah. if you can't charge that car at home um you know so if you if you if you're reliant on the public charging network it will cost you around upwards of £1,200 a year more to charge your car if you can't charge at home. Wow. And I think as we see all these energy bills go, go up, I think people will be travelling less, thinking about the journeys um, they, they have to make and how they make them. And could they walk? Could they take less expensive public transport? And certainly I think that we will see uh, that people won't be changing their cars as much. Mm, I totally agree. And I, I guess the only small small plus side of that if people are taking you know if they can travel to work by the tube or by the bike I guess that is a more sustainable approach but again it might not be a completely viable approach it'd be a very testing few years you're so right you know you're so right I mean I, I love electric cars but they're not a silver bullet you know there still is we're still you know a third of half of the emissions of any car is in its manufacturing so there are still a lot of emissions go into building an electric car so even though you haven't got emissions coming out of the tailpipe there are still emissions that have been used building cars and if we all really want to make a difference that's what we need to do we need to use public transport transport more walk more perhaps only have one car in the family you know these are really big big decisions we've got to make and I think that's one of the points that you know I sort of come to at the end of the show is we probably are going to have to rethink how we travel you know and, and what we use to make our journeys in so I think there's going to be quite a big period of rethinking over the next year or so 
Yeah. Fantastic. Well, we can all enjoy that show. Monday the 15th, 9pm on Channel 4, Ginny Buckley's uh, show on dispatches exploring why is our car so expensive. I'll definitely be tuning in. Can't Mm. wait to see that. If you happen to be listening to us on Catch Up, chances are you'll be able to catch the show on Catch Up using Channel 4's on-demand services. Ginny, thank you so much for joining us today. It sounds like a really, really fascinating project and we would love to have you back for a bit more of a longer form chat, perhaps on our podcast, where we can explore a bit more around you, your past and that uh, that obsession healthy obsession with electric cars <laughs> it's very healthy it's been great to talk to you thanks so much both of you and i will be taking auspicious with me and and wearing it with pride <laughs> please do please do thank <laughs> you have a, great week- have a great weekend everyone and drive safe as thank always you. bye bye <laughs> the driven chat podcast in association with paramex digital Joining me now is a television presenter, a comedian, and I think I'm right in saying a self-confessed car fanatic, Mr. Alex Riley. Hello, Alex. Hello, John. Thank you for having me. Yes, I am a car fanatic. I will uh, admit to that one. (laughs) I think that's fair to say. Now, Alex, I've been looking forward to having a conversation with you for quite some time because you fit into this category of people in the car world especially in the car media world that kind of paved the way certainly a path of interest for people like myself and I think one of those crucial chapters for that was a certain tv show that was hugely popular for me as a child certainly for a little bit before I was born as well funnily enough and is still continuing in a different success now and that is a big show called Top Gear on BBC. Now before we get on to your current show Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Which, of course, we are going to talk about the car years. I wanted to kind of go back if we could, to the beginning and see where things started for you. So you started out as a researcher on BBC Top Gear, didn't you? But the era before the kind of Clarkson, Hammond and May chapter that we all seem to know and love now. Yes, Uh, sometimes known as classic Top Gear. Um, (laughs) It was was a half-hour magazine show on Thursdays and had a a, a huge number of presenters, actually, uh, including Quentin Wilson and Steve Berry, and Vicky Butler Henderson, I believe you yeah. know her. Uh, G- Jeremy Clarkson was there for the first about six months that I was there, and then he went off to do his chat show. Um, but yeah, it was we, we we were on about something. I think we made fifty-two shows uh, at one point with over about sixty weeks. It was relentless. We had to do five, four or five items per show, just trying to come up with with ideas and get them filmed and everything was. 
was incredibly uh, stressful, really, to, to, to churn them all out. Um, but, you know, as, like you were saying, a brilliant show when I was a kid, I, I watched it throughout my childhood and it was my favourite programme. So to, at the time, I was working in European funding. Right. Um, probably, got out of that, probably got out of that business <laughs> just at the right moment. And, uh, and to be able to work in television on my favourite show about cars... It was, you know, it was incredible. What an amazing thing to be able to do. And you were brought in as part of that wonderful little chapter where, was it John Bentley that ended a show one week and said, we're looking for some junior researchers. Would anyone like to apply? And you were part of that crowd, weren't you? He, I think his classic line was like, come and live in leafy Birmingham. <laughs> and uh, there was lots of shots of going past trees near near Pebble Mill and things like that. And I, basically, I'd wanted to get into television for years and years and years. And I was time was slipping away. I was thinking, how the hell am I going to ever get into the world of TV? Because my, my long-term aim was always to sort of get in front of the camera. Uh, and somebody said to me, he said, well, you should be on Top Gear because you love cars and you love performing and that, so you should be on Top Gear. And I thought, yeah, yeah, I should be on flipping Top Gear. How, <laughs> how's that going to happen? And then finally I'm sat there and it said, send it, I think January 21st was the deadline. And I thought, this is it. This is my chance. I'm never going to get a better chance to get into television than this. I, I've got it. You know, if I could just, and I just absolutely threw everything I had at it, uh, you know, wrote my cv in the style of like car magazines so, but but you know a bit playful a bit sort of uh funny but you know showing that i've got the knowledge and everything and and then i came up with three ideas that were sort of you know car magazine type ideas and i thought if i can get an interview i know i'm going to get this job i had this kind of messianic feeling of if i can get in front of them and then when i went for the interview i took another seven ideas in with me. I thought, I'll give them 10 ideas altogether. Brilliant. And just and I'd, I'd made several copies of it. And with a flourish, I said, oh, by the way, I've got some more ideas. Here's, here's seven more ideas. <laughs> and I gave, you know, one for it. There was three people. I had three copies. And I, I could say, you know, and I just thought, oh, they're going to love that. And then I was, I was sort of waxing lyrical about what I did at my current job and how it sounded. And, and John Bentley said, well, why do you want to leave? It sounds absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I said, because I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. And then about four years later, they finally rang me up and said, I've got the job. So they, they, they were oh, shambolic. Wow. It was quite a shambolic setup, the whole of Top Gear. It was kind of a, a little bit of Pebble Mill that nobody from the BBC ever went to. Mm. And they were just sort of left to their own devices. So it was, it was nothing like the rest of the BBC. And, when I arrived, nobody, I don't know if anybody even sort of welcomed me into the office. I didn't have a desk, <laughs> let alone a computer. And the boss wasn't there. And the, I don't know, I was just sort of like sitting there thinking I've given up my flat, my job, my company car, everything. And I'm in this sort of weird setup and nobody's talking to me. And I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to be doing. So it was, it was a massive shock, the whole thing. I bet. And what, what age would you have been then, Alex? 30. Right. So at that point, 30. yeah, you, you've set up your career, your life, your, to what most people would say, you're at that point in your life where the path is 
been forged, isn't it? Everything's been laid out. You're now on your journey. You effectively turned it all upside down and thought, I'm going to start again. I assume with a junior researcher role as well, there might have been even a bit of a pay cut from your previous oh, job. It was a, a you know a, a substantial pay cut, and I just bought a new flat in oh, Sheffield. Wow. This this fabulous, wonderful flat that I loved. It had like it was a it, it had got like a balcony and like a sort of eighteen foot wide window in this lovely part of of Sheffield. And at the time when somebody on a single income could afford to buy <laughs> a flat, you know, that was that, that had three bedrooms or or two bedrooms. And uh, I was just sort of doing it up and I'd, I'd saved some money to have the kitchen done. And then I thought, better not better not buy the kitchen because I'll need that money to buy a car <laughs> when I get the top gear job. And I, the whole thing, I was just totally focused on this. I, I was going to get this job, whatever happened. I mean, it was, I don't know. I mean, if I hadn't have got the job, I sometimes sort of wake up in the middle of the night thinking what would have happened if I hadn't have got that job? What would I have yeah. done? I, I, I hated what I was doing so much. I would have had to leave, but I, I was, I was trapped, you know? So anyway, yeah. So I was, I was 30. I, you know, I, I got my girlfriend. I mean, the, my view was, look, you know, I'm doing a job I hate, so I don't care if I have to take a pay cut. Uh, I haven't got a family. I haven't got kids. I haven't got commitments. You know, I've just got my flat and I'll, I'll make it work. So I had to, I was paying for digs in Birmingham and I was paying a mortgage on this flat in Sheffield. I mean, I was, I was poor. I had no money. I was traipsing around the supermarket looking to save 3p on a pack of sausages. You know, I mean, I was, I was really up against it, but I, you know, this was my dream. So I had to, I had to see it through. And I guess that's the vital part of it, isn't it? Really? You find that you plant that seed of your, your own destiny, you know what you want it to be. And I guess at the time, did you think, yeah, it's, it's hard now. It's difficult now, but the plan is it's going to build up to more. Did you always have a kind of vision of where you wanted to be moving forward? I think, I think initially I, I, I felt like, uh, you know, I, I, have I made the right decision? Yeah. I thought, oh, TV will be so exciting and so creative and so much fun. And it, it wasn't like that to start with. I mean, it got much, much better. Uh, but it was, in fact, I don't, I've not been there long when John Bentley sort of said, oh, I'll get you on camera. You seem like quite a, quite a fun, you know, entertaining chap. You know, I'd get, I'd make everybody laugh. Mm. Um, so I was going to do like a, you know, a, a, an item or whatever. And then Jeremy Clarkson left. Right. And then suddenly the BBC remembered they had this show that was in Birmingham. And all of a sudden it was like under massive scrutiny and they were trying to decide what they should do with this problem. They, it was almost mm. like a problem to them then. And so, you know, we weren't allowed to tr just try people out. And that's when James May was, was given the job of replacing um, uh, Jeremy Clarkson, wow. which people sometimes forget. Yeah. So he, he actually was on Top Gear for a series uh, back in about 1999 or something like that. Yep, yep. So um, that was quite uh, interesting. And then Jason Barlow took over from him, and then they just sort of like washed their hands of it. It's interesting, isn't it? Um, of course, that the, the chapter that everyone I think now thinks about when when you say a sentence like Jeremy Clarkson leaves Top Gear, they now think of of course that big media storm controversy that happened when he left and went off to Amazon. But this, of course, is 
10, 15 years prior to that, isn't it? And it's interesting to see that yeah. even back then, it caused the same amount of controversy with the BBC going, oh my goodness, what do we do now? Back in the 1990s. And they did pretty much exactly the thing, exactly the same thing, I should say, 10, 15 years later when it happened again. Yeah, but the, but what they ended up doing was eventually they kind of went cap in hand to Jeremy and said, please come and make a car show for us and you can have whatever it is you want. Yeah. And that's how the, you know, the new Top Gear, the studio Top Gear sort of came about. And uh, although people think of it as like a massive success, but the first two or three series, it was clunky, shall mm. we say. It yeah. was... Uh, it did. It took a quite a long time to sort of find its uh, rhythm, and it's and then eventually it was, you know, amazing. But uh, it did take a long time. And, and you know, shows do take a while to kind of um, bed in. And uh, yeah. you know, like the car years, we're on series three, mm. and we, you know, we're still sort of like learning ways of improving how we do it and getting to the the core of what makes a car interesting or fascinating. And I mean, I get very bogged down in in detail because I read so much about each car, and it's so fascinating to me that I end up like having to chop things out and rewrite things, and you know. And it's, but I'm getting better at that. My first scripts for series one, you know, they were way too long and so so wordy, mm. and each series I'm sort of chopping it more and more and I was watching it last week and I was thinking yeah I missed a trick there didn't I on the Lancia I could have done this and I <laughs> yeah I didn't really yeah anyway you know so so the you know these days everything's like oh they give you give you one series and then then it's cancelled oh what's the next thing what's the next thing yeah Top Gear got plenty of time to you know find its way yeah so now talking about the car years, so this is a show you're presenting with Vicky Butler-Henderson and it's a it's a head-to-head almost, isn't it? It's you both pick a car from yeah. a certain era and you decide to have a bit of a debate who's got the better car. When it comes to picking those, and I'd love to find out as well, when it comes to writing your own script, so I assume for this you do a lot of your own writing for what you're going to say, how does that compare mm-hmm. writing for yourself in comparison to say, the years previously writing scripts for shows like Top Gear that isn't going to be read by you on screen. Do you write in a completely different way? Uh, well, yeah, you sort of, uh, I mean, I, w- I once wrote a whole script for Steve Berry for uh, for the Jaguar XJR 100, <laughs> and I don't think he even read it. I'd laboured <laughs> over this, uh, this whole script and all the exciting things about the car and everything like that, and he just wanted to, do his own script that he kind of improvised on the spot. And um, so at least I really respect the work of the writer when it comes to the car years. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm very loath to change any words. I, I mean, it's, it's sometimes the producer sort of says, you know, I remember you're supposed to be the funny one. I get so kind of bogged down in, in telling the story of this car that I forget to try and make it entertaining. Yes. So, um, because it, it, it's like, yeah, well, when when I wrote that script for this other person, they they didn't really get what I was trying to get across. So now I'm just revenge. I, I'm getting my own point of view across, and <laughs> I don't care what people think of it. Good, that's good. And the other thing that I really like is, firstly, it is a very entertaining show, and your entertaining side does come through, which I think is really important. The other thing that I think is just so remarkable is that you have a car show that's actually 
about cars. Now, that might sound like a ridiculous thing to say, but everyone else making a car show at the moment seems to be trying to have the cars as almost an accessory to the rest of the show. It's either restoring them or repainting them or modifying them or travelling around the world with them. Yours is a show which is putting the car right at the centre of attention, which, in my opinion, is exactly what it should be. Well, you're absolutely right. This, this is it. I think, I think it might part of it might be to do with like TV executives who aren't really interested in cars. Mm. So you know, if you tell them about interesting cars, they're not really bothered. But they say, "Oh yeah, we get a car for this price. Do it up, and then we can sell it for like a load of money, or we can get an owner who's." didn't you know hasn't seen his car for years and do it up and give him that emotional by the way that was a format that i came up with at, a, at the <laughs> car sos years ago and i remember thinking i had this exact conversation with somebody a couple of years ago anyway good luck to them first lovely fella um but um yeah because you know when you're interested in cars you know the story of the car why does a car turn out like it is why is this great car the fiat 500 which we all know about you know, what was the context in which Dante Giacosa came up with this revolutionary people's car? And, you know, all the decisions that were made along the way. And, you know, it, a lot of these, we're doing the 90, we did the 1950s on Tuesday mm -hmm. uh, in that program, 1957. And both stories have an element of like, you know, what Italy and Germany were like post-war. You know, their, their economies had been trashed. Um, BMW really couldn't make anything. All its factories had either been demolished, taken over by the Russians or confiscated, or their machine tools had been confiscated. I mean, they barely existed as a company. Mm. And they started making pots and pans, you know, pots and pans wow. and, and um, bolts for gates with hand tools. That's where they started. And then, you know, eventually they were allowed to build motorbikes and then eventually build cars and you know, they made all sorts of bizarre decisions that put them on the brink of disaster every five minutes. And, mm. you know, we think about BMW as this huge kind of successful, profitable company now. But, you know, so many times in the 1950s, it nearly folded. Yeah. And at one point was nearly taken over by the Roots Group just so they could get access to the dealers. Wow. They, want, they made a bid for BMW. Uh, and they weren't going to make BMWs. They were just going to use their dealers to sell Hillmans and Sunbeams yeah, yeah. and Singers. I mean, it's mind-boggling. And look, yeah. obviously, the Roots Group has long departed, and BMW goes on. Mm. So these stories are really interesting. They make the, these cars seem much more, you know, you when you understand why or how they were created, it, it makes them have a lot more sort of texture and interest in them doesn't it yeah completely yeah it's the story that that completes it and and that's the thing i i love about the car years is that you do bring through those stories so many of us will confess that we love cars and we have a huge passion for cars or some have an interest and yeah i'll watch a car show because you know i like cars i've had some sporty cars but once you start unpeeling once you start getting into the true history why is an m3 so significant why is uh, the Lancia Delta Integrale, such a prominent car these days. Why are they now fetching so much money? And you unpick that story and you think, oh, right, yeah, that, that's it. That's why. I need to ask, are there any cars, perhaps either for this show or even previous shows, that you really struggle to get excited about? Anything that perhaps would come forward as an idea, please will you make a show and feature this car, and you think, oh, that, that's just that's going to be so difficult. 
Uh, well, you know what? Some, you know, we, I, what usually happens is I, I just go through all the years from the fifties through to the present day, trying to work out what cars, what derivatives of cars, what sort of homologation specials and everything. You know, I, I make this big list and then me, the producer and Vicky sort of sit down together and we sort of talk about we, what's going to make a good pairing and stuff. And then sometimes it's like, oh yeah, uh, we've got the clear Williams versus the, the Delta. Which one do you want? And <laughs> I was thinking, oh my, I've got to get the Lancia. I just don't want to do the Clio. But if I had have been given the Clio, sometimes, you know, Vicky gets first choice because I got choice of something else. Mm. I'm like, oh, flipping eight, what is this? I'm not really into this car. And then I start looking into it and reading up on it and the stories. And I start thinking, oh, I can make this into a really interesting story. Yeah. And then by the end, I'm like, this has got to win. It's, it's, it is the greatest <laughs> car ever launched in that year. And it's so much better than the other one. And, you know, and then you wake up the next day and think, oh, what? yeah, I deserve to lose that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> very, very noble. Now, um, I'd love to unpick as well what your feelings are about the future of cars. Because obviously the show, um, the car years, is celebrating classic cars as we know and love them but of course we're now in this fascinating transition period where we're moving forward and moving away from internal combustion more towards electrification uh, but the possibility of hybrid the exciting prospect of synthetic fuels what are your thoughts and thinking ahead to maybe 20 or 30 years from now looking back at cars from this era do you think they'll be looked at as classics in the same day with in the same way that we look at classics from, say, even as recent as the 1990s? Well, oh, that's, that's a good question, John. How long have you got? Uh, well, I, it's very much like if you if you go back in time to sort of the start of the 20th century, you know, the idea of what a car was hadn't really been sort of fully defined. And mm. you've got equal numbers of steam cars, internal combustion cars and electric cars and there were lots of you know leaps in in technology and lots of political things that may, meant as we went down the route of internal combustion I and mean, if you go to the london to brighton run which is all cars before 1903 it's absolutely fascinating because you know there's engines in different places mechanisms on view there's steam cars there's wheels and seats and things in all sorts of weird configurations and you just think wow this was such a time of experimentation and i think that this is the sort of period we're going through again now you know the i think we'll look back in 10 20 years time at the electric cars from now and think oh my goodness they were so heavy they were so crude they were so big they were so inefficient and we'll have these leaps of, of imagination and technology that will change everything. So, I mean, I, you know, I'm not really interested in getting an electric car at the moment. And there are other reasons as well, because, you know, the manufacturing of two and a half tons of electric car using at least half a ton, possibly a ton more material in it than a conventional car that can't be green, can it? And changing your car every two years, every three years, that's not green. You know, the, so, you know, we, we're in danger of having a massive increase in CO2 emissions to try and get loads of people into electric cars, which seems to be uh, back to front. Yeah, no, you're so, so right. You're so right. It's a question we often ask, and it's one that personally fascinates me. It's that 
almost guilt complex as somebody that is a huge fan of classic cars. You know, I've got a sporty BMW from the 1990s, which I absolutely cherish. And there are some times where I think, is this okay that I'm still so passionate about my gas guzzling 3.2 litre engine? And I think for exactly the argument you've put across there, keeping a car on the road that has perhaps it spent its carbon dioxide in being built, that happened back in 1999. And for that reason, the car isn't the only carbon dioxide the car is emitting now is the carbon that comes out of the exhaust pipe but that being my weekend car my occasional car is minimal in comparison to say going out and buying a brand new tesla getting that built getting the parts shipped from all over the world and then heaven forbid somebody crashes into the side of my brand new tesla and then we have to write it off because the batteries might be damaged so we get another one to me it seems counterintuitive and i think only now after this big drive of trying to get people into electric cars and trying to make people think that electric cars are the future and are the saving grace to the world, people are starting to realise, well, actually, maybe they're not. I think the trouble is you've got legislators who've just kind of come up... They've all, In a way, they've told people what the solution is mm. rather than said, this is the objective and now find the best solution. They've not said we want to eliminate carbon from transport mm. they've said you can't use internal combustion you've got to go make electric cars and so all the car manufacturers are having to do this and people are so you know obsessed by range anxiety that the cars i mean that uh ionic five i mean have you seen it is mm. from a distance it looks like a five-door hatchback oh up close it looks like a house yeah it's basically a ginormous battery with something you know a body stuck on top of it you know because they need a battery that's massive mm. to give a headline figure of range and then when you're only nipping to the shops uh you know a couple of times a week or going to work which is 10 miles up the road you're carrying around you know half a ton of battery that you you don't need except for you know a couple of journeys a year you know so it does the whole thing seems to be upside down and i i, I feel that i'm I, you mentioned synthetic fuel i'm very much hoping that we can just kind of substitute a much greener fuel for our internal combustion engine vehicles and i think i think there is a place for electric vehicles i mean i think the point is it's a it's a mixture and it depends on usage and it depends on you know the environment in which these vehicles are going to be used you know it's not the right solution for everybody to have a to ton ginormous car when they don't need that and but then other people who need to travel 200 miles a day week in week out all parts of the country they need another solution and you know delivery drivers need something else but to sort of say well everything is is electric and everything else is banned mm. it doesn't seem to be an efficient way of using what resources we've got no do you get excited about new cars? Do you still do a bit of writing here and there? Do, do, do car manufacturers send you cars to test and review? I occasionally uh, borrow uh, new cars. I, I had uh, one of the Alpine A110s. Mm. That's, I, I think that's the new car I'm most excited about. Yeah. Because it is, you know, it's it's lightweight. It's, you know, it's wishbones. It's There's a purity about it, which is lacking in so many cars mm. i mean i'm interested in the lotus emira i think that sounds fantastic but a little bit disappointed that it's a lot heavier than a alpine a110 when lotus lightweighting is supposed to yeah. be 
part of their DNA. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's an, an amazing car to drive and it's a, a quantum leap in interior convenience and quality and that, but I don't know. It just seems a little bit disappointing that, you know, the Lotus isn't, isn't the lightest in the class. Mm. It, I mean, it's bigger than the A110, I know, but, you know, the purity of that seems so wonderful. Uh, I'm not, I don't get very excited about the latest electric cars, but I do get excited about reading about new technology and new thinking around electric motors, around batteries, around trying to sort of reduce the the, the cooling that they require, the, the way in which you can mount them in a chassis that to make it more efficient. Gordon Murray is producing a um, electric super mini, I think, which is going to be two yeah. or 300 kilograms lighter than a Renault Zoe, apparently. And, wow. I, you know, that excites me. I think that's, you know, we need these thinkers who can think beyond the corporate narrow way of doing things and can, I mean, I hate saying outside of the box, but, you know, that kind of thinking which isn't inhibited by what's gone before. So, yeah, that's exciting. Interesting. Well, speaking of exciting, let's talk about the car years. In your own words, what is the show? Why should people tune in? And where can they find it? Uh, well, myself and Vicky Butler Henderson select a great car that was launched in a, in a certain year. Both cars are launched in the same year. And we go back in time to tell the story of how that car came about, why it is so loved and revered and so important. And we use archive footage and we have, um, we wear, we wear clothes, we wear vintage clothes from the period. And some of the music is appropriate to the period, not all of it, <laughs> but it should be. But anyway, it's, we get some great music in there as well. And uh, we tell the story. And we have three uh, judges in each show who also tell some of the story. Some of them got Richard Porter and Jason Barlow, Karen Chandock and um, uh, Ben Collins, various others. And they also tell part of the story and they have to vote at the end. So at the end, myself and Vicky come together and have a right old ding dong <laughs> about why our car should win. And which is quite entertaining and is all improvised. It's, it's not scripted. So Brilliant. that's why it does seem quite good fun. A lot of bants on TV is very heavily scripted. And I think it shows. Ours aren't scripted. And I think that spontaneity and, and silliness comes across. And then we, we open an envelope to say who we've won, who's won. And if I've won, which I usually do, Vicky, you know, she's a terrible loser. But if she wins, <laughs> oh, my goodness, she's unbearable. She's horrendous. She's, honestly, she becomes, she becomes kind of a monster. She's, you know... She tries to crush me. She tries to rub my nose in it. I, I just hope her kids aren't watching because it's it's very ugly. <laughs> a scary side very to ugly. mum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. And, it's of course... It's under stress when you see what people are really like. And if there's anyone listening that thinks, right, I haven't yet seen the show, I have to catch up with it. I'm assuming ITV Hub is the place to go to see all previous back episodes and, of course, previous seasons as well, I believe. Yes, uh, the current series goes on the ITV Hub as soon as it's gone out, I think. And we've also got Series 2 on the ITV Hub um, as well. So, But it's on on Tuesday evening at 8pm, 8, 8 
we, we put two shows back to back, so it's eight till nine, and uh, that's on ITV4. And the whole, I'd just like to mention, this series has been filmed on the stunning roads in the west of Ireland, oh, the wild Atlantic way. I mean, it looks like, it looks a bit like the Alps crossed with Iceland. Mm. It's spectacular. And the weather was great. And it's, there's hardly any traffic on the roads. It's just puts these cars into the most beautiful surroundings and you really can it's a feast for the eyes the people who film it uh film top gear they film um the grand tour you know these are the best people in the business and we've got an amazing drone guy who comes down from northern ireland and it it's like a film it's like a hollywood film it looks superb fantastic well if that hasn't appealed to people to watch it i don't know what will alex i'll be honest i think it sounds absolutely fantastic i know the show is fantastic i'm a big fan of it i have got a few episodes to catch up on i've got a traveling day in a few days where i'm going to be sat on a plane so i'll be downloading lots of episodes and watching the ones that i've missed i think it is genuinely it is a fantastic show and a show about cars that actually is cars yes it's the best thing ever more of that please well, thank you very much, John. That's uh, that's very kind of you, and I uh, hope you enjoy it. I hope put it on loudspeaker so everybody on the plane can yes. enjoy it too. Everyone on my EasyJet flight can uh, can enjoy your voice, getting excited about classic cars. Alex, thank you so much. I'd love, I'm going to take this opportunity, opportunity if possible, to perhaps invite you for a bit more of an in-depth chat on our podcast. We have a spin-off podcast that comes out every Monday morning with a new voice from the automotive world each week. Uh, perhaps we can sit down with a coffee at some point and just talk nonsense about cars for an hour or so. How do you feel about that? Yes. Yeah, great idea. Okay. Fantastic. You're on. Great stuff. Well, in the meantime, the coffee? I'll bring the coffee. I'll be yeah. delighted to. Yeah, and the biscuits. So in the meantime, you can catch Alex Riley with his co-host Vicky Butler-Henderson on The Car Years, Tuesdays, ITV4 from 8pm and catch up on ITV Hub. Alex, thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thanks very much, John. I've enjoyed it very much. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. Ta-da! There we go. Two high-quality, with asterisks, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> user experience may differ <laughs> interviews there uh Ginny buckley talking about her tv show as we said at the beginning you can catch up mm-hmm. with Ginny's show with the channel four on demand service which well, i think said, is called all four I've... i oh, i still don't know it used to be called four od but i think somebody complained and they had to change the name oh because of the od bit oh really yeah i think so somebody told me that might have been pub, i believe that pub nonsense um however if you want to catch up with that yes look for the channel four catch-up service if you want to see alex riley's the car years which by the way is so good like if you like me are a bit of a nerd and you love just being absorbed in the world of completely unnecessary car trivia then that show is for you Mm -hmm. so do catch up with that itv hub is where you want to go if you want to catch up with those if you're listening elsewhere in the world I don't know how you catch up, but I'm sure there is some sort of service or VPN you can use. <laughs> Not that I'm advocating any sort of illegal streaming, wow. um, but it's worth trying to catch up if you can. Or maybe YouTube. Somebody's probably cut something together. Anyway, yeah. thank you so much for listening. Uh, Rachel, I will hand over to you for our closing words. Is there anything you'd like to share with the world on this bank holiday Monday? Um, I'd like to share, make sure you all have... A lovely bank holiday Monday. Enjoy. I'm not sure when the next one is. Uh, I, Christmas. We, is it? Yeah. 
oh, wow, well, you know what? Go and have that extra bit of hot dog. Go have that extra. Yes, because people are going to have barbecues, even if it's raining, of course. It's it's a bank holiday Monday is what we do as a nation. Um, And enjoy it. And also, I would also recommend go and watch some Rallycross. Oh, good. Nice. Yeah, but like, there's so much Rallycross out there. I I would like you guys to go and look at some Rallycross. Go look at some Rallycross. You can love it. And we can nerd out on that. There we go. How about, John, you're a big old... <laughs> that'd no, be the yeah. other many words we could fit <laughs> in there but also i'd like to say let's all nerd out over rally cross and yeah have a wonderful bank holiday monday yeah i mean that is assuming you're listening to this on the bank holiday monday if you are then that's all very relevant yeah if, if you're not, not i hope you did have if a you're catching up as most people monday. do later on in the week yeah um hope yeah hope you had an extra sausage because that's <laughs> what rachel demanded <laughs> Uh, uh, tumbleweed. Tumbleweed. <laughs> we will be back with another episode yeah. in about seven days, talking to somebody amazing from mm. the car world. Yeah, I think it might actually be Ginny Buckley. Funnily enough. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah. If we knew our dates and our. <laughs> well, yeah. we're recording with Ginny on the first of September. This goes out on the 29th of. It's this week. By the time you're listening to this, we may actually be sat down recording <sighs> with Ginny, going out for the following week i want to sit in her garden i know that sounds really weird but i've been like looking at her instagram and her garden looks lovely so i want to sit in her garden i think that's weird okay well let's hope that Ginny's not listening to this in advance of our recording on the first and then politely sent a note saying actually no (laughs) rachel's not allowed rachel's coming nowhere near my garden (laughs) Uh, thank you so much for listening we shall um speak again in the week bye bye the Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end. And it's John Markar here again, reminding you that this podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now run its course and has come to an end. To find the new format, search the Driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.